I'm Daria Rose, and this is The Foodist Podcast, where real people use real food to get healthy and lose weight without dieting. Hello, and welcome to The Foodist Podcast. I'm Daria Rose. Today, I'm coaching Kara, who managed on her own to lose 30% of her body weight, uh, 70 to 75 pounds, which is an incredible accomplishment. Uh, The only issue is that she did it through a very traditional diet, dieting method of meal replacement. And, you know, she had her reasons for this. She's, she's very smart and very aware. Um, and she knew going in that this was not the sustainable way to maintain her weight loss, but she, she approached it this way and, you know, sort of since then has discovered foodist and summer tomato and called me up wondering how she can go from, this stage of weight loss where she's still in it. She's still losing weight because she's still doing the meal replacements because she doesn't know what else to do. And she wants to know how she can transition to a more sustainable health style and weight maintenance. And this is an interesting question, right? Generally, I don't recommend that someone approach it this way because, I mean, as, as Karen and I talked about at the beginning of the show, the success rate of diets is really low. I mean, for people to be able to maintain weight loss through a traditional dieting method is almost impossible. It's like a 95% failure rate, which is a bummer. Um, but you know, she was already in this situation and, and at least she has the right attitude now, which is that there's still some hard work to do and she still needs to build up the health style habits that are going to pave the way for her to be able to keep the weight off and, and sort of build up this lifestyle that she wants. For Kara, it turns out that the reason that she was avoiding this from the beginning is because she has a lot of fear and discomfort around food preparation. She just is reluctant and not interested in the whole business and wishes she could just, you know, have food delivered to her every day that was healthy and would keep her where she wanted to be. But she understands that while she was able to do that for her meal replacements and her weight loss, it's not sustainable and that she really needs to address this cooking fear and this cooking issue that she has. So it turns out that that's what we end up talking about for most of the episode. And it's interesting because I I don't think this is actually so, so unusual. I think that if you're reluctant to make lifestyle changes and behavior changes, around your food practices or around your exercise habits, that there's usually a reason there's usually a, some sort of psychological mental block that's making it seem too hard, too scary, too difficult too outside your identity for you to be willing or able to tackle it. And so really that's what this episode ends up being about. And specifically for Kara around her you know, fear of being in the kitchen and preparing her own food. So if you've been curious how to switch from weight loss to weight maintenance after doing sort of an extreme diet, the answer is you need to work on building the habits that are going to keep you there. And if you know that the main habit that's going to keep you there is cooking and being able to prepare your own food and have been reluctant to do that, this episode is going to give you the answers you need. So have a listen and enjoy. Hey, Kara, welcome to the show. Hi, Dorian. Great to be here. What are you struggling with today? I guess this is a good problem to have, you could say, because I have sort of reached my weight loss goal, but I've done it through 
Well, maybe cheating isn't the best way <laughs> to put it, but I deliberately targeted the fact that I knew I was not in good mental shape to start building my own health style at the point when I wanted to start losing weight. So I've been on a meal replacement diet. And something that I knew going into that was that once I reached my goal weight, I would not be able to sustain that sort of uh, lifestyle forever, nor would I be able to just go back to what I was doing before then and maintain my weight loss. So now I've reached my weight loss goal and it's time to transition back into, you know, the real world. And I'm kind of scared of it, honestly. Yeah, it's scary. I don't blame you. It's very, you know, it's very, it's one of those things where, you know, the data, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like everybody knows the data, which is that it's really difficult to maintain weight loss, especially if, you know, like you said, you haven't built up the habits to sustain it in the first place. So you, you're sort of starting, I don't know where you're starting from, but you, you know, you've definitely got some work to do there, but it's totally doable. Yeah, the, the extra fun thing for me is that I've actually been working on a project where I've been looking through all of the weight loss literature for the last couple of years. Oh, wow. I have so many statistics in front of me going, wow, you went about this completely wrong. And I, I did that knowingly. I, I made that choice knowingly. I didn't just go, oh, you know, I'm going to go on this meal replacement diet and everything is going to be great. Uh, I, I pretty much deliberately went, well... I know that I can't make the lifestyle changes I need to right now, but I'm really unhappy with the way this trend line is going. So I'm going to do something about it now and then put the actual hard work in the future. And I mean, I, I don't regret that decision, but uh, yeah, now, now we're trying to focus on how to make the hard work doable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you have a really good attitude about it, and it sounds like you at least understand that you understand what's what you're up against and what needs to be done, which is sort of the two steps. And, and and I think that you sort of nailed it. I think a lot of the time, one of the issues is people think that once they lose weight, that like just switching to maintenance will be easy. You'll just, <laughs> just no, switch that's, to maintenance. That's literally the hardest part. Yeah. I mean, for me, and I mean, this is kind of going into the backstory with it a little bit. Um, I have just always been really like overwhelmed by food preparation and trying to create a healthy meal plan and lifestyle for myself. It's just always seemed like one of those things you can put off to the next day when you feel more like an adult, you know? Totally. <laughs> and, uh, you know, there's been a lot of stressful stuff in my life in the last couple of years. We've had family health problems. I've gone to grad school. I'm sure you have absolutely no experience with being stressed out about food in grad school. I mean, I <laughs> yeah, know <zero>. that's, <laughs> I mean, I know that's I don't even something. know what you're talking about. Yeah. I mean, what's a PhD? So, um, yeah, so I, I very deliberately went, well, you know, my body is not doing what I want it to be and I want to get this done and I know what my weaknesses are. My weaknesses are, this is all very overwhelming and if I can just not think about it, then I have a chance of doing okay. And I was right. So, I mean, good on me for analyzing my strengths and weaknesses <laughs> correctly, but unfortunately. Tell me, take me backward a little bit to... When you went, like where you started, when that was, and what's happened since then? 
I have always been like a little bit overweight and it's never honestly bothered me very much. I've always kind of accepted that, um, you know, my body wasn't going to look like it did in uh, magazines or whatever. And that that was just fine. Like it never, I never had serious self-image problems that way. But uh, when I went to college, I ended up coming down with a, a chronic illness. And during that time, I was less active, obviously. So my I gained some more weight and it was still fine. You know, I was, you know, it happens. You get older, you gain 20 pounds in college or whatever. But then that trend just sort of continued because I had some disordered eating habits and I hesitate to say eating disorder because I didn't really have a bad relationship with food that way. But let's say disordered eating uh, because I would just go for the convenience factor because it was so overwhelming to me to prepare food. And I mean, I don't know how to cook. That's a big thing. So around preparing food and planning out meals and all of that. So I would end up just grabbing something high calorie in the morning a breakfast sandwich or whatever, and letting that carry me until dinner when I would grab like a macaroni salad or something, just things that were very easy to eat quickly and not have to prepare. And obviously, this is a... Why do you call it disordered? Well, because I feel like that's a bad relationship to have with food, you know, to be kind of afraid of the whole process of uh, going through preparing and thinking about and planning food like it seems like an unhealthy way to approach having food in your life to just want it over with as quickly as possible and just go immediately to what will fill me up and taste good and I don't have to think about it it's Hmm. this kind of recurring theme of this is easier if I don't have to think about it so I see I think that's pretty normal but it's pretty very self-aware of you to uh, recognize that it isn't healthy (laughs) no yeah and I mean I guess the bad thing is that um my go-tos in those situations are always things that aren't necessarily really good for you I mean I, I taught myself to like salad back in college but it's not a comfort food and when you're stressed out you go to comfort foods even if you're not specifically binging so okay so you just basically you just are saying that you never really developed healthy habits around food yeah and I never really developed what I would consider like a healthy approach to food either okay how is an approach different from what do you mean I don't, when you say habits, I think of the physical part of going out and trying to, you know, plan meals every week and everything. Uh, when I say approach, I'm talking about, you know, whether all of that seems either doable or a desirable part of your life. <laughs> uh, it, it doesn't to me, really. Like, I don't want to do it. I know that I have to, but it's ex- everything about what we've been talking about is very unappealing to me. I see. I see. So yeah, it just sounds like you're super self-aware of your like mindset behind your habits. Like most people think that unconsciously and you're just consciously thinking it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Because Uh, you're super aware of your thought process because you're probably super smart. (laughs) I I said before the call started that uh, I'm very analytical about these things and I am. The the problem is that knowing what's going on doesn't necessarily mean you can fix it. (laughs) Totally. Okay. Fair, fair. All right. So you, you you approached food 
this way forever. And then the weight gain was building. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it built extra um, in a period of my life when there was like a lot of family medical crises going on and everybody was kind of just grabbing things where they could and uh, dealing with the crisis. So I noticed that I gained like 40 pounds in a year and a half. And that's when, when I hit around like 210 pounds, that was when I started to go, okay, this trend line is accelerating, not decelerating. And it's starting to get really worrisome to me because before I was always like around 160, 170, and I'm 5'4". So that was like, well, I'm overweight, but okay, it's fine. When I hit 210 and 5-4, I started to go, okay, this is no longer necessarily fine. Like, I'm starting to worry this is going to have actual health implications going forward. So at that point, I was like, all right, I just need to reverse this trend line, and then I can figure out what to do about it later. Got it. Got it. And so you you decided to do the meal replacement thing at that point? Yep. And that was very easy and pleasant. I mean, if something could, uh, if it was financially or, uh, you know, realistic or desirable to just eat stuff out of little boxes that are shipped to me for the rest of my life and not have to think about it, that would be great. But unfortunately, that's horrible. So (laughs) let's not. All right. So, so you did your, so you basically eat every single meal, like it's like, something from some program. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. And you're still doing that. Mm-hmm. And now you're, you've reached your goal weight. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. And how long did that take? About a year. Okay. And so um, can, how much, how much weight did you lose in a year? 70 pounds. Wow. Impressive. Might be more like 75 now because I've just continued on the program because it's easier than not doing that. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's amazing. So you are continuing to lose weight at a pretty steady pace. Have you have you noticed any other changes besides just weight loss? Not really. Okay. I mean, I, I've started uh, exercising again in the last couple of months, and that's been nice. But uh, I don't think that was directly related to the weight loss physically so much as me just feeling more motivated to get out to the gym when I wasn't so uncomfortable with my body. So. Oh, that's related. I'd say that's related. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like physically I had tons more energy. Now, since I've started exercising uh, physically, I have had more energy, which is pretty expected. So, But also great. Yeah. Also, you know, very, very pleasing. And how do you feel about the food that you're eating? I mean, it's okay, which is pretty much how I felt about food before too, I guess. Like I'm eating this and it's okay. I have noticed that, uh, I mean, I'm much more calorie conscious now, which is good. I mean, I guess it's not good from the strictly anti-calorie uh, counting mindset, but it is good when you consider uh, just sort of having that caloric awareness of how much you're putting into your body. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. No, it's good to be aware of that stuff for sure. Yeah. Yeah, like the other day we went out to eat at Cheesecake Factory, actually, and I was like, I'm going to splurge tonight. You know, this is a meal to celebrate. I'm going to be completely decadent. So I got a plate of pasta, and then I ate the plate of pasta, and I was like, well, that wasn't worth it. It was just completely 
average pasta. <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like, if I'm going to eat that many calories, I want it to be friggin' fantastic pasta. Right. But that's just something I wouldn't have thought before I put everything I ate down in my fitness pal for a year. So that, that shift is nice, but. Um, got it. Got it. Got it. So you have, you're just more aware that some certain more foods, certain foods are high calorie and not necessarily worth their calorie content. Exactly. Yeah. And um, so that's one shift. Uh, I guess I like that the food is just so convenient and that I don't have to prepare it. But uh, I have noticed myself uh, sort of craving more fresh stuff. So I've been trying to add more fresh stuff to my diet uh, in between the uh, processed meals and everything. Got it. Got it. So generally, it sounds like you're not like a huge foodie like like the relevance of food is not that important to you you just need to eat (laughs) yeah I mean I do like some food a lot um I I really like eating with my family and everything my family eats a lot as like part of our family activities that we do together it's uh we go out to restaurants or whatever it's sort of the tradition or we cook for each other um, everyone except me, since I can't cook. But uh, I, I guess the distinction I would like to learn to make for myself is how to start appreciating foods as special. Because I know in the past, you know, I've eaten something my grandmother has made or whatever, and I'm like, this is special, and this is a good meal. And I, I recognize that that's a great attitude to have towards food, to be able to kind of elevate it that way in your life. And I've had moments of that before, and it's just not really uh, part of my day-to-day life. And I recognize that that's because I have this sort of turned off attitude about most of food preparation and most of the things that go into food. Like I don't appreciate food because I'm kind of scared of that part of food. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is making sense. <laughs> I, a little bit. It's starting to come together. I'm, could you elaborate a little bit more on what you mean by scared? Like, I guess so many chefs kind of see food as an art from what I've seen. And that it's just this daily part of your life where, oh, you know, you, you plan out the food and you put it together and you experiment a little and it's nice and you make stuff ahead. And all of that is just completely, I guess, overwhelming to me. It's kind of scary. And I don't really know why either, because I guess if I made something bad, I'm not sure why anyone except me would be eating it. But it still is. I guess there's that pressure when you know a lot about, you know, food and diet and healthy eating habits and, you know, the environmental impact of food. When you know a lot, there's a lot of pressure in some ways to, uh, do it right, I guess. And I've just never built up any confidence with doing it right with food. So if I'm not going to do it right, I might as well just completely ignore that part and just go with something ready-made that I don't have to deal with. I see. I see. So yeah, I think you're right that the right word is overwhelmed. Like you're, it sounds like there's, it's been built up at this point in your mind as like this big thing mm-hmm. that needs to happen properly. Exactly. That's a good way <laughs> to put busy it. And you're busy and stressed and like, no thanks right now. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. That, that makes some sense. 
And and it sounds like that's been happening for a long time also. Pretty much my whole life. <laughs> since, since college, <laughs> let's say. So on top of that, now there's like this story about how you like this isn't your thing. Exactly. Like not only do you not know how to pro- approach it, but you're kind of like maybe a little bit resentful of the whole business. Yeah. Yeah. That's very acute. <laughs> okay. So we need to make food less scary. Well, f- specifically food prep. Yeah. And I, I purchased your course. Like I deliberately oh, purchased really? your course. Yeah. I thought, you know, I'll, I'll buy food as kitchen. That'll help. I haven't even opened the emails, Daria. I've been getting your emails for every day for however many days it's been since I bought the course, maybe Mother's Day. And uh, I haven't opened any of them. I've just looked at them in my inbox and gone, I can't deal with this right now. <laughs> oh, interesting. Let's talk about why. Sure. But that's why I ended up uh, writing into your podcast because I was clicking around your website going, trying to psych myself up to start going through the program. And I was like, you know what? I might as well just write into the podcast because <laughs> the first thing I tried didn't work. Got it. So you're, so, so the overwhelm is, is, is significant enough that you're not even afraid to open an email, which is probably mm-hmm. something you do every day. That's right. Got it. Well, I can assuage your fears a little bit um, <laughs> by telling you that the first email is just about mindset. <laughs> There's no food at all. So it's, you can do that. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah. Okay. Like, you know, this is an issue and you've <laughs> thought about what, how to fix it, but you've, your action steps have been very um, indirect, let's say. Right. Because there's still like this whole thing around it that makes it feel like a a big deal. That's yeah, that's a good summary. So you know that that is like a step on the path you need to take to sort of the next level of your health goals. Mm -hmm. You've also expressed a desire. So that's like, so the health goal is like one of your desires Mm -hmm. and the food prep is sort of like a necessary evil that you feel like you have to go through to get there. Right. Scary. Mm -hmm. And on top of it, you feel like there is something to do with appreciating foods for being special versus being not so special. Mm-hmm. Where does that come in? I mean, I guess that was me trying to think about how to make the whole uh, necessary evil thing more appealing because, I mean, I like food. I like eating food. The fact that it's also a necessary evil to me in terms of uh, me preparing it is sort of, I don't know, it just seems like that's kind of disconnected and I I don't like it. I'm trying to think of how to tie the fact that I like eating food together with the fact that I uh, really hate the the whole preparation steps and and I'm really overwhelmed by, you know, planning it out and, and trying to figure out how it fits into my life and health better. Right. So, that, so, you, so again, being super self-aware of your own psychology, <laughs> you're, you're, you recognize that one of the issues is that you don't have a reverence for food for somebody like me who like, compared to someone like me who talks about it all the time and won't shut up about it. And, but you seem to notice that thread amongst people who feed themselves regularly at home. Yes. Uh, so I guess you can really summarize it as I've taken uh, a lot of indirect action steps and I've armchair analyzed myself to death, but I haven't actually done anything. So that's where we are. <laughs> okay. Well, first of all, I think you're right. I think that your transition from totally 100% handled food 
for weight loss to a more realistic and maintenance approach definitely requires you to be able to like put food together on your own. Mm -hmm. So I think that was a good insight and probably correct. Um, And you're already exercising. Sounds like pretty, that's okay for now. Right. Yeah. And I imagine that'll just feel better as you eat more real food and get better. (laughs) Yes. As long as you're not doing stuff you hate, like that's usually how it goes. So cooking is a, a critical part of the, process here. Right. And for you, it sounds like you don't know where to start. And, and and I can see why. Because like if if you've never experienced it before. And by the way, I was there 100%. Like before like what did I learn to cook? I think I learned to cook a little bit while I was living in Italy. I like studied abroad and I had all these Italian roommates. <laughs> And they like cook all the time because they're Italian and it's like breathing for them. And I would just sort of like look over their shoulder and be like, oh, the onions go in first. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you can buy mushrooms in a jar. Cool. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I just sort of picked up some things. I was so scared of the stove. Me too. It was like fire. (laughs) Like there was like knives that are like sharp and I, I didn't know how to do anything. And so I, I, I feel you. And, I, and when I recall, so back then, before I went to Italy, the main things I ate were cereal, diet cereal, of course, frozen yogurt, slim fast, <laughs> like, and like store-bought like salads or sandwiches or whatever. Probably not sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, that was... Uh- you know, pretty close to what I was living off of. Well, not the slim fast and everything, but uh, the store-bought uh, salads or sandwiches were a big part of what I was living off of before I went on this meal replacement diet. So, Yeah, and I didn't really know where to start. Uh, so I got to Italy. Well, first of all, one thing about Italy was they had amazing farmer's markets, and they're every single day. And they were like on my way to school. <laughs> so I'd like walk by and like I would walk by like a stand of like peaches and it would just smell amazing. Like nothing like the grocery store, you know, it just mm-hmm. the produce section just kind of smells like, I don't know, old grass or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was I just started getting a little curious. So like the ingredients were like inspiring. Let's just put it that way, even though I didn't okay. know what to do with them. And so that made it a little easier. I think that, but then the the only thing I really knew how to do that wasn't intimidating when like everyone was cooking around me. Oh, and by the way, they they, like close stuff all the time. So like sometimes if if you wanted to eat at like two o'clock in the afternoon, like there's nothing open to go eat. So if I was hungry, like I had to cook something, like I had to do it myself at home. And um, so I would, I would like buy stuff for salads and I would take raw vegetables home. And I think back then I just bought salad dressing, but at least I could like assemble a salad. Ah, yeah. <laughs> that like kind of felt, I mean, it was definitely closer to cooking than I was doing before. <laughs> and I just sort of started there. Okay. That makes sense. Anyway. And, and then, then like, and then, you know, I'd, I'd watch my roommates a little bit and I'd see him make something. It'd be a little easy. And I'd like, you know, then I'd buy a couple ingredients, but I think that like, I feel like I sort of like had role models that I could look over their shoulder and sort of copy and I was forced into certain situations that I wouldn't have been forced in to in the United States. And 
that sort of like pushed me grudgingly down this, this path of, of learning to feed myself. Um, but I think before that, what I thought it was, was I thought that you had to like know what you wanted to eat and what to do, that you had to go to the grocery store, get all those things. And the grocery store is a pain in the butt if you're not familiar with it and you haven't gone. So you'd be like, I don't know. Like, I don't even know what I need. Like, what do I do at the store? Like, what do I buy? Like, I have no idea. Right. And then I'd get home. And even if somebody just gave me groceries for free, I'd be like, I have no, like, I have no idea. Like, what do you, what do you want from me? What do you, you want know? me to do with these zucchini? <laughs> right. Like, I have no idea what to do with zucchini. Like, I hate when my mom cooks zucchini. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, like, that sucks. Like, that 100% sucks. To, mm-hmm. Because... I mean, if that's what if that's what the cooking was, like no one would do it. I can see that. The solution is to not look at it that way. Okay, I'm listening. <laughs> I, I'm listening definitely because yeah, that is uh, everything you just said is is very close to uh, my experience. And when I'm thinking about it, when I think back, um, when I was a little kid, my mom kind of like jealously guarded her stove a little bit because uh, she was worried that we would uh, do something wrong with it. And she's just very territorial about the kitchen in general. She still is as far as I know. So when I think about it, I never really had anybody, oh, you know, chop these up, do this too. My mom, with cooking at least, kind of took the approach of, oh God, this is stressing me out. And it would rather, it would be faster if I just did it all myself. Uh, So I never really had a lot of that uh, kind of back and forth interaction with, uh, you know, being encouraged to use role models in cooking. Yeah. And also your, the kitchen you grew up in was filled with anxiety. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's, I guess that's true when you put it that way, you know, it was, it was somebody else's domain. So I guess that could have contributed to cooking, not being my domain. It's, it's someone else's thing in in another room where I'm supposed to keep out from underfoot when it's happening. Interesting. That probably explains a lot of the sort of subconscious fear that doesn't make a ton of sense. <laughs> yeah, when I think about it, that's that uh, would be pretty in line with me kind of avoiding it now. And just like, oh, it would just be easier if someone else did this because it's just faster if someone else does it and I don't get underfoot. Unfortunately, it would be me being under my own feet now because I have to cook myself. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. That's good. And that's good to recognize in yourself. You know, so that that's like something that like when you do make that first step and you're like, okay, here I am in my kitchen. This is my like kitchen. A little panicky. <laughs> and you, well, you'll be able to recognize that feeling and be able to say, normally that would scare me and make me want to run away. But that's just like little kid Kara getting shooed away by mom in the kitchen. Yeah. I have to have this done in two hours to stop bothering me. <laughs> right. Cool. That's actually, I think, a really powerful insight. Definitely. Definitely. That's really powerful. And because, yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you're, you're, you express more of a discomfort and fear than like you can rationally explain to me. Yeah. It's like, like, (laughs) you you sound like a very smart and competent person. (laughs) Like, like I, I just, zucchini aren't that, aren't that scary. It's true. I mean, uh, 
rationally, I know I can probably manage to cut, cut zucchini without killing myself. So there's not really a lot of basis for that nervousness. Yeah. I bet you can both cut them up and heat them up. <laughs> oh, well, now, now we're getting into the real, you know, high stakes territory here, here Daria. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, okay. I think that that's, that's, that's great that, that we can recognize that. Um, because that, again, being able to recognize where fear is coming from can make it, can really disarm it. Okay. So what would you recommend? Just trying to, you know, cook with people or I'm, I'm not quite sure where to go from there, even though that does make a lot of sense. My goal for you right now is to open the foodist kitchen emails. <laughs> 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 because it'll show you exactly what to do and make it super easy for you. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm not trying to like turn this show into a foodist kitchen advertisement, but like, <laughs> um, like literally it was designed by me who is the person who was totally afraid and thought cooking was stupid and didn't want anything to do with it and taught myself how to do it because I had to. Got it. Yeah. I mean, I, I think another thing that's very intimidating is there's this whole just set of vocabulary and assumptions about cooking that I just don't know. Because when I look at recipes or whatever, and I know, I know, uh, one of your things is that recipes are intimidating. But when I talk to people who cook too, uh, it's always like brown the meat. And I'm like, how the heck do you know how to brown the meat? I mean, yeah. it's there are they're all there are so many assumed skills that go into cooking. Right, right, right. So let's talk about that a little bit. That's a great point. So cooking is not one skill. And it's not even one habit. It's a, it's like a collection of, I mean, to base, to do basic food, like saute, roast, salad, get food on the table five nights a week type of thing. Mm-hmm. There's maybe eight skills you know, it's like knife skills, sort of flavor pairings, heat, what goes in when, kind of like there's just like there's like a handful of skills. Once you have those down, the next level of skills is like, well, I'm going to braise something and oh, I'm going to flim blah something. <laughs> I'm going to brown something and then I'm going to, you know, sous vide it. <laughs> um, and like you don't have to worry about that stuff at all. Like, that's, like, down the road. You're not going to be doing that. Okay. Why would you be doing... Like, why would you be browning something? <laughs> Unless you're following a recipe that you're, like, not equipped for. So yeah. Do okay. All right. That's- and by the way, once you get that, like, set of eight skills under your belt, then, like, you're like, oh, yeah, I can brown something. <laughs> no biggie. Okay. I know how to work the stove now, and I know how my knife works, and I know how meat reacts in a pan. Like, you know, it's like you sort of get the experience... And you have that level of comfort where the next step is no longer so scary. But like from where you are, it sounds like the most terrifying thing in the world right now. I mean, yeah, I'm, anything that you don't know is rocket science. So exactly, exactly. And, and sort of that's how it goes. Sort of the way Foodist Kitchen is designed is it, it just gives you those basics, mm-hmm. you know, those like what, what, what goes in a pan together at the same time? How hot should it be? Like, when does salt and oil happen? Like, those are things, right? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Um, And and it just sort of, and it takes you through exercises to make you comfortable. And until you can do sort of the basics. And then once you can do the basics, then you can worry about more more advanced things if you want. Or you never have to worry about it again because you can already feed yourself. 
Yeah. Like if you I like mean, get through that much and, and hate it, like at least you can make yourself dinner. Yeah. I mean, you knife skills it. are also an intimidating thing since, yeah, if you've never. Uh... It's a whole lesson on that. No. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not even a cooking lesson. It's just cut stuff up lesson. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the barrier right now to stuff like assemble salads on your own. <laughs> the, the knife. It's like, or I could just eat an entire, you know, head of lettuce without cutting it up. That would work too. <laughs> yeah, you should try that. <laughs> the, the actual rabbit diet. <laughs> the actual rabbit diet. Yeah, if you, um, they, all, they always talk about rabbit food. The right. actual rabbit food diet. Just eat a head of lettuce. Don't prepare it. Just start eat, stick it in your mouth. Eat the aging head of lettuce that's been sitting in your fridge that no one else will eat. That's right. Um, is there anything else in your life that you've that's complex that you've learned that like step by step slowly? A few things like all of the the research stuff. Um. I was telling you about my field is actually not nutrition or anything like that. So that was something I kind of had to learn from scratch uh, through doing the literature review for it uh, in order to familiarize myself with it. Um, And then, you know, pretty much every other skill I've learned in my life has been step by step. You know, I, I'm kind of like since we're we're sort of talking about this in a in a sort of semi scientific context, I'm sort of thinking now uh, of a quote that somebody forwarded me when I was writing my capstone project, and that was somebody talking about how in science you really need to embrace feeling stupid. <laughs> um, that that's something that you should do that the people who are best and and have most longevity in their fields are the ones who react to feeling stupid by going, oh, this is cool. I have something else to learn and not, you know, being intimidated by that feeling. And I haven't really thought of that in context of food before, but I think that is probably the big problem. I feel really stupid and overwhelmed by this whole field that I know nothing about. So maybe the key is to kind of approach it scientifically and be like, oh, this is exciting. I don't have a clue in heck about how to chop lettuce. I like that. That's that's interesting. Um, And I think that that's definitely the right approach. It's just so much easier than science. (laughs) (laughs) Would you rather go back and write another neurology thesis or would you rather... (laughs) Uh, neuroscience thesis, rather. Would you rather, or would you rather cook cook yourself a salad? I guess that's the, the question for you, Daria. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, um, yeah, I was kind of avoiding going all the way there. But, but, the, but the point still stands that like anything that you don't know how to do, maybe playing piano or something, like you start with scales and then you're like, you know, in like a couple of weeks, you can get proficient enough to play a simple-ish song. You okay. learn some chords and you learn some notes and you learn some timing and there's some pedals. I, I have no idea how to play piano, so. <laughs> like I'm just, but I'm assuming that like. You're winging like it. it lo- it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. Like it looks really hard for me right now, but like, I'm sure that like once you're sort of know this, all the other little pieces and you just sort of learn to put them together and then, it, and then it's not a mystery anymore. Yeah. And there's probably stuff like, uh, you know, hand positioning and where you should sit and that kind of stuff. I don't know how to play the piano either. 
Right, but that's like advanced stuff, right? Right. <laughs> like, like, I mean, or maybe it's not. I don't know. But um, anyway, like you, you build and you can do this. Um, I, so the, my first sort of goal here was to sort of break down the barrier because I feel like you feel like you're standing at the bottom of Mount Everest and really you're standing at like the bottom of Mount Diablo over in Oakland, (laughs) 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 which shouldn't be called Mount anything. Um, uh, You know what I mean? Like I feel like it looks like a bigger hill than it is. Okay. And I think that 100%, like once you start getting your hands dirty, you'll be like, oh, what was I so afraid about? You know what I mean? Yeah. And it sounds like that's like a big part. But the other thing I was thinking is like, there's still this this element, and I and I think you sort of hinted at it, like that it doesn't sound fun. Like there's nothing to look forward to. That's true. <laughs> Which I get, but I'm trying to think of something that would would make it more fun and more exciting. And I was wondering, like I don't know where where you're based or where you live, but do you have a farmers market nearby? Not really. Right now, uh, I'm in this kind of suburban area, and I'd have to go a long way out of my way to get to a farmers market. I mean, I probably could, but the only one that's really close to us is this extremely, extremely yuppie thing where it's less a real farmers market and more everything that's wrong with the local food movement <laughs> because a bunch of like old people get together to drink wine and, and judge each other. So, uh, probably not there, but. <laughs> Yeah. Well, sometimes, sometimes in like suburban areas, because I grew up in one, um, there was like little produce markets sometimes that were different from the grocery store that had sometimes really good stuff. Like I'm not sure. Yeah, there might you, be but. one of those around. I mean, I know that uh, one of my coworkers used to shop at. Um, she used to shop at a lot of, you know, ethnic grocery stores because she was from the Philippines and she was like, oh, you should go to this really good Asian food market. And unfortunately, that's a whole other area of overwhelm because I go in there and not only do I not know how to cook or what I should be looking for in terms of cooking, but I also have no cultural context for uh, figuring out what I'm supposed to get. So that's kind of like the one, it's a really good idea, but it's kind of a one-two whammy of knowing nothing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I wasn't thinking that you'd go and like do a giant grocery shop situation, but just maybe find one ingredient or one thing that you're kind of excited to like taste okay you know what I mean yeah I do so like rather than feeling like so so I think this is this is like I mean just an idea um you know rather than feeling like I need to go grocery shopping for like this week I'm cooking all my meals so Mm -hmm. I have to go buy like seven vegetables and like all the olive oil and all the stuff and Mm -hmm. spices what the hell are those um just like Think about like something that would be nice if you could make it regularly. Okay. Or if you like, it would be nice if I knew how to make that and it was easy and just start there. And obviously try to pick something pretty simple. (laughs) Something, exactly. Something simple. I mean, well, with any meat or vegetable, like Mm -hmm. most of it's pretty simple. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like I'm not talking about like some cassoulet <laughs> like like I don't I, like no poached rabbit but like <laughs> you know like it would be great to be able to like like I, I've I had this roasted cauliflower or this cauliflower dish at a restaurant that was like seemed pretty simple but it was really good it'd be awesome if I could be or a stir fry or a ch- tacos or just something that just sounds that it would be nice to be able to make at home 
Okay. And just like sort of, so, you know, approach it like as like one dish at a time or one task at a time. So it isn't this big, like I need to know everything that's in this store and I need to pick the right thing. You know, it's just like, it should be guided by your curiosity, not what you're supposed to be doing. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, that does. So, I mean, just go into the grocery store or, you know, if I can find it, a farmer's market and just be like, what would be interesting to to try to play around with without sort of attaching any value judgment to it? You know, it's not me trying to cook for myself or build a better lifestyle or whatever. It's, I like the way this looks and I want to do something with it. Yeah. Or for instance, like, let's say you wanted to like, it's great. Salads are a great skill to be able to make, right? Like, Mm -hmm. because it's like, they're healthy. They're, they're easy. Like you can buy the box lettuce. It's already all small. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like if you want and like, just cut up the cucumber, like, you know what I mean? Like just just so, so you, so you don't feel like you have to like do everything all at once. That makes sense. So you can cheat. <laughs> well, this is this is built in the foodist kitchen too. Is all the cheats? Okay, okay. Well, I mean, so far I've done pretty well with cheating to the date to date. So uh, that's one direction I could definitely go with it. It's a skill of yours. <laughs> See, there you go. I've <laughs> built it up. I've spent a year building it up. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. And and by the way, like you'll use cheats, and then like one day you'll be like at a friend's house or something. And like, you'll have been using like the roasted red peppers out of a jar, which I use sometimes they're delicious. But like mm-hmm. once I went to a friend's house and she did the thing where she took a, you can take like a whole bell pepper, like a red one and just put it on the stove on the fire, like directly on the fire. And it like chars and you turn it until it's like the entire skin's black. And then you scrape the, the skin off mm-hmm. and wait for it to cool. Well, you wait for it to cool. Then you scrape the skin off and then you have this like amazing, like sweet roasted red pepper that, and it's so delicious. And also your house like smells amazing. And like, I like, and suddenly you understand why there are people who don't cheat. You're like, Oh, like that home roasted red pepper that was super easy to do. It took, I mean, it takes like 10 minutes and it, no skill. You just burn the thing and then scrape off the bad part. Um, and that was amazing. And like, it's like, whenever I add that to my salad, like everyone's so impressed and my house smells so good. And you're like, <laughs> you know, it's just like a little win. And then like, so, but like, that's like what comes as you sort of progress. Like it, like those little tricks and stuff, like they just come over time as you get more comfortable, hang out with other people, like just get into the groove a little bit. And it, and it becomes a fun thing and you suddenly see why people do it. Okay. Yeah, no, that, that does sound very uh, relatable. I guess that makes sense. Yeah. And then, and then you'll have like a, like a arsenal of things like that. And people walk in your house and be like, God, you're such a good chef. It's amazing. <laughs> you must've been born with it. <laughs> Probably. You know, I've definitely been cooking since I was two months old. No big. <laughs> Awesome. Well, is that is that the the main thing? Was it the cooking? Yeah, it is. It is the cooking, and and that actually does make it feel a lot more approachable. Thank you. Awesome. And you're you're like so close. You you already bought Foodie's Kitchen. <laughs> it's in your mailbox right now. <laughs> it's true. I just have to nerve myself up to go open the emails. And by the way, you could totally go through it slow. Okay. It, it doesn't have to be one every uh, day. It can no. be. 
You can go slow. You can go at your own pace. You have access to the whole thing for life. So okay. All right. I I will think about it and I will very seriously look at my email inbox tonight. So (laughs) all right, Kara, good luck and keep me posted. Okay. Will do. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Foodist Podcast. I'm Daria Rose. And if you're interested in upgrading your own health style, learning how to get healthy and lose weight without dieting and without all of the suffering that it brings, then head over to my website, Summer Tomato, and sign up for my weekly newsletter. When you sign up, you'll get a free starter kit that'll teach you the basics of how to start changing the way you think about food, health, and weight loss. You'll also get a free chapter from my book, Foodist, called The Myth of Willpower that explains the science behind why the no pain, no gain mantra of the weight loss industry is the absolute worst approach to getting healthy. So come over to Summer Tomato and sign up. We have a fantastic community and we would love, love, love to have you. Thanks for listening and I will see you next time.